0: Man, thank you Ken and worship team What a powerful time of worship In God's presence And, and as I said Sunday Listen don't take this as a, a downer But if you're not feeling God's presence During times of worship like that Then you need to be here more than anybody needs to be here Because it, it's strong I can feel the presence of God Strong in this place That doesn't make me greater than you It just means that, that uh, uh, Maybe I came hungry And you weren't sure why you came Or, I came expecting and you didn't. But I know when people come expecting and hungry for God's presence, then He definitely makes Himself known. Uh, I'll give you, as we're getting ready to get into God's Word, I'll give you just a short update. We um, passed inspection today for our footings. So, amen. So we're going to be pouring on Saturday. Now, um, our message tonight very much ties into this subject because the rain, I've I've changed when we're pouring footings like three times because literally three times a day it's flip-flopped rain Wednesday no now dry Wednesday and everything today the inspector was like you better pour tomorrow because you're not going to get a chance for a week and I was like we've set it for Saturday and I'm going to have trust God because there's too much going on now you better pour tomorrow afternoon I, I can't you know um, and I'll go into a little more why we can't but in a, in a minute but um, be praying and I'm going to give you some examples where God uh, answered but be praying because Saturday Friday and Saturday we need it we need a I'm sorry to say this, we need it hot and dry on Saturday, I mean, I mean on uh, Friday we need it hot and dry, Saturday morning we need to be nice and cool and dry. And then after we get done pouring uh, concrete, as soon as it sets up, it can downpour all it wants. Because, uh, but it's real critical because if you don't know how that works with the Arkansas red clay, all those rocks, um, me and Brad Kenyon spent until about 9 o'clock at night with little flashlight things on our heads, those bands, down on our hands and knees in an in 18-inch wide uh, footing by only about 13, 14 inches deep, scooping rocks and cleaning out. And if it rains and pours before we pour, guess what we got to do again? Get down on our hands and knees and do the whole thing over. And it's hours and hours. It took a couple days to get it really clean by several people. So um, be praying for dry weather. But good news is I just sat and kind of mocked up a little bit of our budget. I had to wait till enough bids came in on the big things. And I really believe God is already, I know he's already helping us. I told you our electrician and plumber uh, helped us out big time. Very much a God thing. Uh, I really believe we can hit our budget of building a $1.1 million building for $500,000. So uh, just be praying. There's a couple of big factors in that. The parking lot, but... Some of you know my ties to uh, what kind of ministry I was in before I was pastor here was to the outlaw biker world. Just so happens the guy I've been closest to who became a Christian who is kind of over, if you will, all the uh, outlaw bikers in Oklahoma, just so happens he works for his dad who runs an asphalt and fence company. And he offered, he called and said, you got a bid yet on your asphalt. And I'm believing there's going to be a God thing in there. So um, that's a big one, you know, drywall. Um, we're going to need, on the materials, we're going to need some big help on that to, to make sure we come in that budget, but be praying. Um, God God can do it. So, good things. That leads me to say, um, man, just what a wonderful thing for you to be able to get up on Saturday morning. Maybe if you drink coffee, a little coffee, a little time in the word, and then get out there by 7 a.m. just to experience what it's like to pour concrete. How about that? All right? Um, if you do come, make sure you wear old shoes you probably won't most of you won't be down the ditch or anything it's really not a wide ditch um, you'll not be down in the footings but you know you might get concrete on them. Uh, just come in old groby clothes and and uh, be ready to help uh, it's not that we need an army of people this really can be done with maybe five or six but I always look at it for a time of fellowship don't think that you're wasting your time if you come out and stand to the sidelines and there's five or six working and you're talking you know that early in the morning if it starts to get warm and you're not doing anything, you got a chance to fellowship, and then you can go. And we'll have refreshments for everybody out there, um, as healthy a breakfast as we can. Thank you. You know, that's happened before. Thank you. Somebody actually told me. Didn't let me preach all the way through with my shirt up tucked up like that. So, All right. Well, I've been out in the heat today a little bit cooking, so maybe I'm not paying attention to my wardrobe here. But All right. Well, if you want to get ready for God's Word, you'll want to turn to the book of 1 Kings. And uh, there's not going to be a specific scripture I'm going to give you yet. Just hover around chapters 17 and 18. 18 is the main focus, um, but you can kind of get your, your bearings there. 17, chapter 17, 18. So 1 Kings. In the Old Testament, um, you're going to look past 1 and 2 Samuel and then come to 1, 2 Kings, 1 Kings. All right, so I want to um, I set the stage for this a little bit because I want to give you some of the... Uh, the people that, that this account is about and not give you a whole lot of detail about them as far as giving a big history background on on each one but just so you know who the main players are here and also uh, just a little bit about um, this this story but but uh, we're gonna be talking about Elijah and Elijah is a godly man he has a confrontation with a evil ruler a king Ahab and uh, I, I know within this year I preached on probably v- very close to this same text uh, about Elijah, but um, really want to refocus again on this. And we have um, Elijah, Ahab. We also have uh, Ahab who marries Jezebel, who, is a, um, who comes from a very idolatrous background and brings that in and uh, brings Ahab into that. And then we have uh, the prophets of the Lord that are mentioned. Uh, And then we have Obadiah, who is uh, basically a a servant to Ahab, if you will, keeper of the house, if you will. And so that kind of sets the stage. Uh, There's some of the geographical area where it's Samaria. Um, But this is is Elijah, who is a godly man, um, who we're going to see as I start to dissect this, um, just... How much God and, and Elijah uh, commune with each other. If we were to back up in 1 Kings 16.30, you would see how Ahab gets started. If you, if you want that kind of summary, 1 Kings and 2 Kings are all you know, the good kings and the bad kings. If you remember, I've told you before, God never intended for us to have an earthly king. He never intended for us to have uh, a president of the United States or Queen Elizabeth or any kings or queens or main rulers. Judges, yes, because there are times when we can't dispe- uh, settle disputes among each other than a, a righteous judge, but that was a man-made thing. We, we want a king. It, it kind of reminds me, speaking of the, the motorcycle world, that uh, someone that I knew who was from the outlaw biker world, when God got a hold of him, he wanted to start this thing that would go from state to state, and it would be Christian motorcyclists coming together, and also non-Christians to reach them, and... And he wanted to do this, but he said, man, I want it to be a God thing, and I just don't want to lead it. I don't think anybody needs to lead it. I just need, I think it needs to just happen. And I said, well, brother, I hate to tell you this, but there will be a leader eventually because it will either die or a leader will emerge because people it just age old, we, we just need a leader, right? That's why God put a, a shepherd or a pastor over the church because if we are left ourselves, if I sit down in this seat, resign, but we're going to keep going without a pastor, I can tell you from my angle on it, things will come apart pretty quick. you know. It's not that I'm God. God keeps it together, but people need leaders. Just think about if you didn't have a boss to go to when you have a question at work, right, or that co-worker that goes awry and you need somebody to handle them, you need, you need a ruler. You need somebody over there. And so um, God works within that, but then you can see the product of that. In 1 Kings, there's this, this ruler did evil on the side of the Lord. This ruler, the next one, did evil on the side of the Lord. And you're rarely a good one. But here's the thing. It says 1 Kings 16.30, uh, And Ahab the son of uh, Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now that's, it says that about a lot of kings, but, but let's look at how bad Ahab was. It says more than all who were before him. This is the one that took the icing on the cake with God. This is the most evil one. Mary Jezebel, the idolatress, uh, comes from the idolatry. Um, and then he went and worshipped Baal erected an altar to Baal in the house of Baal which uh, he built in Samaria and Ahab made an Asherah that was another God, uh, uh, deity that um, Asherah poles and, and uh, altars to Asherah and so Ahab did more to provoke the Lord the God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Nothing like being a trendsetter, right? No, nothing like being the top dog, right? <laughs> Well, not in that area you don't want to be. Uh, in his days, in verse 34, uh, in chapter 16, uh, 16, verse 34, in his days, Hile Bethel built uh, Jericho, which you remember the story of Jericho, and it shallowed the walls down. And, you know, I was praying that during our worship time, not, not to get too far, uh, far sideways, but I just almost stepped up here because I just felt like there's maybe one or a couple people that just the enemies got them all twisted up inside, tonight and and you're gonna try to hang on to that and hide it and fight it and smile and grin or do whatever you're gonna do but it's not me that's figured it out the Holy Spirit has because he tapped me on the shoulder and said there's some people or some in here that need to to shout the walls down that the devil's built in their life that they need to get the shout in them and 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 here's the thing um, you can come to this church and know that we're affiliated with Assemblies of God, know that we have a Pentecostal background, and I can start shouting up here as I do. Didn't always do that. God's really done the work of me and got me to where I just get so excited. I feel like I'm ready to say, come on, Army, we're going to go kick the devil's tail. You know, I'm just ready to charge somewhere. I get in the middle of worship, I'm like, I just feel like, turn around, let's go. You know, pick up your swords, let's go. I just, I, that's what I feel welling up inside me. And, and so I, I just sense, I don't turn around and look, but I sense there's some that are doing this during worship and I'm not picking on you because this might mean I really don't have a relationship with the Lord this might mean I have a relationship with the Lord I feel like he's so silent I'm worn out I'm frustrated I just don't have anything in me this can mean so many things but I can tell you that if you are able to let God break through that the Holy Spirit break through that and to set you free of that and you get that feeling of wanting to pick up an army and charge forward and everything then those broken relationships, that broken situation work, those broken things, all of a sudden you get a fire burning within you. And you know what? God's principles are so awesome. You exude something, the power of God, within you. When you walk in those situations, the people start to react differently to you. If they're defying God and coming down on you and making things difficult on you because they are an enemy of God, then they might get more agitated. You might deal with more in the beginning, but they are doing that because they're scared of what's happening in you. And see, the spirit that's trying to move within them, the evil spirit, is trying to move on them. And I'm getting so sidetracked right now, but I'm going to run with it. The evil spirit that's within them is recognizing the, the spirit of God in you working. And that demon that is trembling, and I'm not calling them demon-possessed, but if they are being influenced by a demon, that demon that's trembling within them is going to cause they don't have the peace of God in them to help them control anger. They don't have the peace of God to help them control frustration and stress and all those things. They don't have that. It's not a skill set you get. They don't have the power of God working on that, uh, that within them. And so they react badly. And then the battle begins because that same spirit wants to get you to break down what God's doing in you and react with the same reaction. Instead of being secure and solid in, I'm a warrior for God. I'm in God's army. I'm clothed with his, his armor. I've got the breastplate of righteousness. I've got got the belt of truth. There is nothing, no weapon formed against me that will prosper. So I don't have to worry about this because tomorrow we'll worry about self and I don't need to think about how good things were before because that's foolishness. I just got to be in here and now and charge forward. And so I'm going to tell you that if you find yourself in the middle of a worship service like this where I know for a fact, not because I'm a pastor here and want to brag on this church, not because I've been friends with Ken for 16 years and so everything Ken does I'm just going to like, it's not that, it's because I know and feel and recognize the power of the living God moving in this place. And when I start to shout the things, if you didn't hear me, I'm shouting, come on church, rise up. Come on church, shout down the walls. Come on, because I'm about to bust out of my seams. And if I turn around and say, let's march, and everybody's standing here like this, it's going to deflate me because I'm, I'm trusting God that he's stirring up your spirit, right? And I'm trusting that you're going to let him. So, so it's very important. This isn't um, for show. This isn't for anything else. I'm telling you, there is a spiritual battle. And if you want to blame the, the problems you've got in your life on something natural, well, good luck with that. You'll keep fighting it the rest of your life. And if you get over that one, another one will rise, and you won't know how to deal with that one, and you're going to always love to defeat you because you're trying to do it in the natural when it's a spiritual thing. It's like when they thought I needed a heart cath because I had someone in the church years ago when I first started, nobody here. Someone come against me so hard, so strong, and I love this person. And that's because the closer, remember we talked in another message, the closer you are to someone, the more they can hurt you because that intimate relationship is just like, uh, you know, how Jesus gets hurt, it hurts his heart when we defy him, when we go against him, because of that intimacy, same thing, your wife, if you love your wife, your spouse, if you love your husband above all else, if you love them with everything you got, and they do you wrong, it hurts worse than anything else in the world. And so you have to recognize that, that the Spirit of God working within you when you allow him to that these problems you've got, they are spiritual. And and so I had this person coming against me so hard and I love them and they loved me at one time and they they let the devil start speaking in the air and they came against me so hard that it caused me such stress I ended up in the hospital. Not over the stress, but my I was having symptoms of a heart heart failure. So they do a heart cat or heart um, they do a stress test, and they're like, Yeah, you need a heart cath. You've got some blockage or something, you need, you need this. And I told them, I said, I don't think so. I think it's spiritual. Of course, you're talking to doctors. Of course, there's a couple of believers who said, well, I don't know. Pretty good evidence. You got something. And I was scheduled for heart cath. And I said, if you'll just wait until this resolves, I'll be fine. And they wouldn't believe me, but it's the VA. So I didn't have to tell them that because everything's a wait, you know. So enough time passed. It resolved. And I came back. And no joke, I'm going to tell you exactly like I'm not inflating at all. I walked in. I said, I went, and they're going to do the nuclear stress test. And I said, when I get on that treadmill, I want you to crank it as high and fast as you can go. I'm fat. I used to run fast. I'm fat right now, but I'm going to do better than I ever did before. You push me. They're, whatever. A little bit. I said, no, no, go. They end up that thing, so I was running so fast, I was kicking my rear end. <laughs> I was kicking my own rear end, and they said, you're right, you're fine. I said, I knew it. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, there's a spiritual battle that, that all, everything you deal with is a spiritual battle. I don't know how else to say it. I'm not saying that you're not getting this and I'm getting nods and I'm getting some and I'm also getting some kind of dead stare that, you know, I'm telling you that the sooner you really deal with this truth, that every problem you're dealing with is a spiritual battle, that we are spiritual beings in a spiritual world. This natural world is passing away. The spiritual will be forever. And so you're dealing with forever things. Because everything the enemy wants to do is kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to send you to an eternity separated from God, eternal torment. So it's a big battle because it's for high stakes. And you've got a God who created you for communion, fellowship, and sin separated us. And we're on this track of God's always trying to redeem us and bring us back. He's not sending us to hell. We send ourselves, but he's trying to pull us this way. And so it's a big battle, and it manifests in some really nasty, hurtful Hard to deal with things. The only thing is we have natural eyes that see in the natural. And until we really plug into the spiritual, we don't see with spiritual eyes. And so we try to handle things naturally. Man, this could turn into 15 different sermons because we get into the power of the tongue like we did before. Life and death in the power of the tongue. Some of us make our own storms. Remember that sermon recently that we sometimes by the way we talk, we create our own storms. It's like when you're going through something so horrible, one of those things that everybody agrees, that's one of the worst things you go through in life, but you keep talking negatively about it. You keep reliving it. You keep keep talking over and over in a negative way instead of giving God glory and turning to Him. Then you're creating your own storm, and the devil loves it because you're just going to wear yourself down. He doesn't have to work so hard. You're doing it with your mouth. Back to our story. So that, that's Ahab, you know, he's, he creates his own storms. He's the worst of the worst of the kings so far. You know, he goes after the woman, you know, the, the hot girl that's got all kinds of issues. He's going to save her somehow, and she just sucks him right into it. He tries that missionary date, and it doesn't work, right? Well, not really. That's not the story. But I'm throwing that in for some of you who think you can go date non-believers non-believers and, and win them and make them your spouse. Um, Elijah then predicts a drought. See, God's dealing with Ahab. And here's the thing we talked about before. When you create your own storm, sometimes God is pulling the rug out from under you. And a lot of our grace teaching today, which I'm all about grace, but it it, it gives us a false sense of the fact that God is not still the same God who will bring punishment to you in harsh ways to get you back on track. You are a child. If you punish a child, you're doing unfun things to get them back to a good position, right? To get them back in right relationship with you. If you find drugs in their room, if you smell alcohol in your breath, their breath, if they get a DWI or if they set fire to the house or like my boys when they were about three or four, they put a chair up and put metal lunchboxes in the microwave while I was sleeping. Me and Jen were working jobs doing the Dave Ramsey panned on bet, and I was supposed to be watching them, and I was so tired I fell asleep on the job. And Jen comes in, I still was asleep, to a microwave that was rolling smoke out of it and melted plastic and metal and could have been really dangerous, right? I mean, it was really dangerous. And so, you know, you, you you're you're like I've got to do something about these boys or they'll end up the next uh, you know, yeah, Timothy McVeigh or something, you know, they're going to start creating bombs or whatever. Um, but in all seriousness, you know, it's it's a good parent who brings discipline. And a little shout out to the parents, if you don't If you don't hold up to what you say to your kids when you discipline, and you say things over and over, and you start counting one, two, three, I still, you'll catch me one time or two times doing that, and I think in my head, I don't need to count. One time, you say it, and then stick to what you say. If you don't do that, I'm going to do this. And if you don't do what you just did, and you give them another chance, what you've taught them is there's a loophole to obedience. So, we are the same way as adults. We don't need loopholes of obedience. When God says it, we need to do it. He has grace when we fall, but we need to always be striving when he says he doesn't. Ahab doesn't get that. He goes after those he doesn't. He makes a mark for himself as the one who is the worst. And so Elijah is used by God to bring a drought. And it says, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand. This is Elijah praying uh, or saying, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And for three and a half years it didn't rain. For three and a half years there's a drought. Now, how many remember have you ever hear about the dust uh, the dust bolt the in the through the Midwest when when it didn't rain? Right. Sister Pat, put you on the spot. Tell us something you know about that, how bad that was. Well, I that Oh, that's right, he's old. And, no, no, I mean <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was so bad. It was just like people were looking like they're in the desert. They had the kids going to school with things wrapped around their faces and goggles and whatever they had. to. You know, I don't know if they had goggles, in, but what have they had? They were protecting themselves because when it doesn't rain for a good amount of time and things dry out, it becomes a, a disaster. And so you know, God then sent uh, Elijah. What happened is Elijah, um, God sent Elijah to a brook. Because you know there's a drought coming. They seen where there's some water. And the ravens brought him sandwiches. The ravens brought him sandwiches in the mornings. You don't believe me? You could read it. Bread and meat. What do you think that was for? Sandwich. Alright? So the ravens brought him sandwiches in the morning, and he had cool water, like this Arkansas spring water, maybe, to drink. But you know, after so much time, God's plan is affecting the the man of God too. How many knows that when you set out to do God's plan, there's still times you have to deal with the fallout. How many times what happened to Lot, you know, when when they were running from Sodom and Gomorrah and his wife, don't turn around, don't turn around. She's on her way out, rescue, turn around, turn into a pillar of salt because God said it. To obey is better than sacrifice. Obedience is important. You don't need a loophole to obedience. You need to learn to obey and let God let God bless your life through obedience. And so um, he's bringing him sandwiches in the morning. Ravens, uh, ravens are bringing him sandwiches in the morning from God. And he's drinking from the brook, but the brook dried up because there's no rain. And so God tells him to arise. You like that, don't you, kid? About like I want to give you jazz hands from the back during worship. Yeah, yeah. Mmm, some good uh, pork shoulder, pulled pork. Uh, yeah, with some with some kind of good barbecue sauce on it. Arise and go to Zareph, which belongs to Sinan, and dwell there. That's not the right pronunciation. I'm Sidon, thank you. And dwell there. Behold, I have commanded. You're, You're from Arkansas, or you're in Arkansas too. We're not pronouncing anything right in the Bible, so, you know. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. And he goes to this widow, and. Okay, in a drought, everybody, you know, I thought about getting some pictures of what happens in, in countries where there's a drought and, and, and there'll be horrible pictures. Skin and bones, kids and, and, and parents and, and dying children and parents weeping over the children. And this lady is planning to take the little bit of stuff she has to make a, a, a patty melt or whatever she's making, right? A little a bit of bread and she's going to make that, has a little bit of water and then they're going to die. That's what it says. She says, we're just going to make this and me and my son are then going to die. And he says, give me some of that. Now as a preacher, if you go into somebody's home who's saying, hey, you know, preacher, we don't have anything to eat or anything hardly. We're just pretty much all going to die. Help us out. Why don't you give me some of that? <laughs> How do you think that go over? I'm a man of God. God's telling me, give me some of that. He, he says, give me some of that. And she, you know, she goes forward with it. And so, you know, Elijah's life, he's exuding that power of God we, we talked about and So really crazy, wild things happen when you're walking in the Spirit of God. People sense things, and they react to that. So she gives it to him, and guess what happens? I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar, and a little oil in a jug, and now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat and die, but then what happens? And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as I've said. But first, make me a little cake of it. Make me a birthday cake. Little sprinkles. Make me a cake of it. i got to quit doing that because then I lost my place. Make me, make me a cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and, her, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. I'm trying as I get older not to be that guy that tells the same stories over and over. That gets really um, awkward and weird for everybody. But you've heard the story about my dad when he was challenged to give $800 to missions and they weren't even having enough money pastor a small church. They weren't even getting money sometimes to, to be pastors and didn't have food for the kids. I wasn't born yet, but the rest of the kids. And all of a sudden, you know, this town drunk comes in and says, Preacher, I know that you don't think God could talk to a town drunk and tell him to do something, but as clear as I'm standing here, God told me to give you this, hands him a check for $800. My dad just pledged that. My dad paid on his pledge, and he said groceries would just show up on the front door, and and, and God would just take care of things. And so... You know, this is the kind of thing that's happening to this lady. Is her, her? She just gets to eat for free. It's like, it's like if I got a years, or well, you know, I don't know how long the drought now is going, but let's just say it's still another year or so. A years eat free at Taco Bell. I'd be dancing and shouting, "Give me some of that devil sauce! I mean that Diablo sauce, whatever it is, that hot sauce." Well, then here comes the bad part after this Taco Bell's not good for you kids don't grow up on Taco Bell but then this is what happens the son gets sick not because of the birthday cake but he gets sick and in some translations it doesn't really say he dies he says without breath well if you stop breathing you die so we're gonna assume he's dead right but he's not he's without breath he's dead and so the lady is like She's like, You, oh, my, oh, Lord, my God, have you brought calamity? Uh, well, this is what Elijah says then, Oh, Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even on, upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon, he takes the child upstairs to the room, stretched himself upon the child three times, and cried to the Lord, Oh, Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah. Man, that's awesome when you read that. Because we don't know when he's listening to us, but here we get to read it when he did it. Often we don't know that he's listening to us, but he he wrote it here. He listened to Elijah's voice. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. Give me some cake before you go die. That's an interesting thing. He told her, go ahead and do what you're going to do, but give me a cake first. He didn't give her you know, the promise first. He just said, okay, go ahead and do your little bake and die thing. Give me some. But, but because of the power of God in him, because of his obedience, he's there because the Lord sent him. He's there because the Lord knew the lady would respond to the Spirit of God, and it was her time for God to interact with her in a powerful way. So it's about her, too. And so he revives this girl, or this boy. Then we have where Elijah confronts Ahab, the showdown of all showdowns. I love it. You know where we're heading? You know what the scriptures about? The prophets of Baal, an altar and the fire coming down from heaven. I used to use this uh, cartoon or this characterization of that on my Facebook profile picture of that fire coming down and consuming the, the soaked altar with the meat. You know, the prophets of Baal, they got to have dry meat that was ready to light on fire. And they're cutting themselves and doing all things to their God, to Baal. And Elijah's smack talking. He's like on the free throw line, just telling them, like, suckers, you know, you, you're fools, you know. Well, he's he's smack talking them. And then, and then, well, it doesn't end good for them because he wins because God sends down fire even after he soaked it and soaked it and consumes it. And so he rounds them up and kills them. But, see, Ahab's not in that. Ahab, he's still got this uh, beef with him. He confronts him. Here's the interesting thing before it gets that. Okay, so Obadiah, I don't want to leave him out. I, 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 this will not have a whole lot to do with my end point where we're headed, but I love this dialogue between Obadiah because Obadiah is sensitive to the Lord. He's been faithful to the Lord. He's got a history of helping God's people. And uh, you got to keep in mind, Elijah is been on the run from Ahab in a way. Uh, Ahab sent people out to find him. He's ready to, to duke it out with him. He's ready to kill him. And so uh, it says in verse 7 of 18 And as Obadiah was on the way, he was being sent out, behold, Elijah met him and Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face and said Is it you? My Lord Elijah? And he answered him, It is I. Go tell your Lord, Behold, Elijah is here. That's how I read to my kids. I, I do voices. And he said, How have I sinned that you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my Lord Ahab has not sent to seek you, Elijah. So Obadiah is like, Dude. You want to send me to Ahab to basically say that you're in front of me and I didn't get you, you know, and go back and say, oh, yeah, he's here, and he's going to kill me. And so he he went and he said, as the Lord your God lives, verse 10, there is no nation or kingdom where my Lord Ahab has not sent to seek you, Elijah. And when they would say he's not here, he would take an oath of the kingdom or nation that they had not found you. And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And as soon as I have gone from you, <laughs> this is the way, This is where it's funny to me. So his beef is kind of like, I'm going to get killed by Ahab. You send me back. And, and, and this is the stinger in it. Because you're such a holy man. As soon as I've gone from you, the spirit of the Lord will carry you to, I don't know where. It says that. I mean, I'm seeing him throwing his hands up and saying, you know, you God can like just poof and you're gone and you're over here because you're like that with God and I'm not. And you're going to send me a die and God's not going to do that for me but you're going to be like poof gone and i got to deal with your mess. <laughs> he will kill me dead, man. Dead. Although I, your servant, have feared the Lord for my youth. And he is telling the truth. Obadiah has feared the Lord from his youth because he goes on to, to recount a, Elijah, what Elijah already knows, he says, "Has it not been told, my lord, uh, told my lord, that what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord, because Jezebel even went after the prophets of the Lord, I, how I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by uh, by fifties in a cave? He he hid two groups of fifties, a hundred men in caves, and I fed them with bread and water. He brought them sandwiches and water. Don't you know I did that, Elijah?" Obadiah says, and and now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here, and he will kill me. And Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. Basically says, Chill out, dude. Okay, I'll just go myself. All right. Okay, I get it. I get it. You're not there with the Lord yet. You don't realize God can poof you and over here and you know, <laughs> nothing happened. So I'll just go. I'll go. I'll take care of it. No problem. So Obadiah went. Uh, to meet ahab and told him and ahab went to meet elijah and uh, when ahab saw elijah ahab said to him is it you you troubler of israel and he answered i have not troubled israel but you have in your father's house because you've abandoned the commandments of the lord and followed the Baals. now therefore send and gather all of israel to me at mount carmel And the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. We'll stop there, but you know the rest. Uh, Or if you don't, I'll just tell you this is where he gathers these people up. He tells them basically it's like the showdown. You go get two bulls, put one on your altar, put one on mine. You pray to your God, and I'll pray to mine. And whoever's God answers and burns up the, uh, the sacrifice, and so they are dancing around to do that. Well, he comes and dumps water and just soaks it. So basically, it, it, it's not possible naturally for it to catch on fire, and it does and burns up. So that's that background. So, so we have that, the, the conflict. But then we have uh, the prophets of Baal are defeated. Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? This is in line with what I'm telling you. Don't think I'm calling you prophets of Baal or idol worshipers, but when I challenge you to say don't sit through a worship service and and just um, refuse to enter into the presence of God or worry about what people are going to think if your hands go up because you're feeling that or whatever, what I'm saying is don't be double-minded. Don't come to a place of worship saying I'm here to discover God. If somebody drug you here, you've got a little bit more excuse because, you know, um you know if you've got that kind of drug problem you're drugged to church you're drugged back but you got a little bit excuse but for others who come of your own free will you came hoping to experience god i hope otherwise why why are you here i'm not trying to send you off or make you mad but why do you come well it's just a place where nobody bothers me while i'm checking facebook so i can do that you know but if you're here, so this is what Elijah is dealing with idolatry. It's a whole different thing. It's a lot different, but he's still frustrated with why go, because these are people who once knew the power of God, right? And why do you, how, well, how long do you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If the Lord your God, then follow him with everything you have. Go to your job and do it as unto the Lord, because you do have to pay bills and those things. But you don't go and let it be your priority and let it be your focus and think that 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 the body of Christ and church services and being a body and reaching out to the community and all that is in your spare time. Oh, but Pastor C.J., I don't understand what you're saying. I mean, I got 40, 50, 60 hours at work and we meet this many times. How can that not be my focus? It comes from the heart. I see it. I sat in the pews and then all of a sudden become pastor. I realized there are some people who come into this building realizing this is their life. And the rest is just God's way of providing for them to be here and to be a part and to be a partner and to push forward and to work as unto the Lord. And there are others who it's not that I'm being hard on you. It's just that you let the enemy lie to you and think that church is what church culture has taught you it is. It's just coming in and hearing something to make that sounds good. And you feel like you're good with God because you came in and heard his word and you go. It's not. It's about living it. It's the action of those words. It's the action of those. It's the application of that. It's the going out. Listen, if you aren't telling anybody about Jesus week after week after week after week, you have to be honest with yourself. Don't lie to yourself. There's something severely wrong with your relationship with God. Because if you say, I'm a believer, and you attest to God's word, and you're silent on it, then you have to be honest and say, I've got a heart issue. I've got a problem. Why am I not coming down to this altar? Why wouldn't Pastor CJ is saying this is the place to be if, you need, if you're bound up, if you're wound up, and you need to be set free? Why? Well, honestly, it's pride. It's pride because, because we'll let that 50 feet of carpet separate us from God. Well, I don't have to come there. We're going to get into this, but I'm going to tell you, I've danced around this too long. There is a difference in the posture of your body as well as your heart when you go to the Lord. There's a difference because there's times when you put yourself in a posture position for the Lord. It's scriptural. You see it all through scripture because it humbles you. It's uncomfortable. It, it's not just um, sitting there while nobody is and whispering Lord. Sometimes it's getting down and be like, God, I need help. My family's coming apart. God, I need you to rescue my family. God, I need your help in my job. I can't. Be brave enough to witness to them. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Baptize me, Lord. Give me a heart to follow you. It's not new. It's not from this century in the church. It's from Bible times. It's from people like Elijah who who truly sought the Lord and didn't give up until the answer came. Okay, well we gotta go on to finish the story because the Lord sends rain because Elijah then has to turn the faucet back on. And isn't it interesting? God could turn it on, but he's gonna use his man to do it. Why? Because that's how he works, is through his people. And I want to give you a few things. Uh, first, I want to tell you uh, faith is what we're talking about through prayer. Faith through prayer hears the inaudible. Faith hears the inaudible. Faith sees the invisible and does the impossible. How? What energizes faith to that level? Uh, We could really say it's more than one thing, and we're going to hit a few, but certainly one is the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Times I need a supercharge, I need a quick charge from the Lord, I've let a few things get in the way, I've gossiped a little, I've done this, I've done that, and I need God to get in and push out the enemy. So I can do his work. Another way is by prayer. And that's what we see in 1 Kings 18, 41 through 46. The prayer and God does powerful things through prayer. I mean, it didn't rain for three and a half years. And we see in James 5.17 a reference to this account. Because we're, we're in 1 Kings talking about Elijah. This is the account of it. But in James in the New Testament, it's important enough. It's brought to our attention this about Elijah. James five seventeen Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Now you've got to understand, it's saying it just like it is. Elijah's just a regular Christian. And he prayed fervently. Okay, so fervently, I wish sometimes they would just put it in there like it actually is in the original text, the best again in English, but they try to make it sound better in English. But fervently really would translate like he pray-prayed. He pray-prayed. He prayed in his prayer. It's like a level of prayer where you're praying so intensely, so fervently, he pray-prayed. This is saying he was not a stained-glass saint. He was not like, well, we want to picture some of these Bible characters As abnormal people. They're ordinary people living out extraordinary faith. James says he was ordinary in that he was like us. He was extraordinary in in that he prayed with faith fervently. He prayed, prayed. Watch this, James 5.17 again. He prayed with what? He prayed fervently? And Elijah is just like us, but he... Pray-prayed. Have you ever pray-prayed? Y'all like, I don't know if I like that. That just sounds like, um, I think there's kind of slang language that that sounds like, and I can't get it, but cray-cray, which means, translate for the 43-year-old. Crazy. You're crazy. You're crazy times two. You're cray-cray. Okay. Well, he pray-prayed. He prayed times two. He prayed over the prayer. He prayed intensely. And so, um, have you ever done that, though? You see, I'm kind of concerned that I haven't, like I have in the past, myself. As I prepare for this, I'm thinking, when have I just buried, man, I, there's times I used to lay out here, and I'd, that carpet stinks when your nose down on, I'm going to tell you. I mean, we, when we get out of this building and have concrete stink floors, they'll be uncomfortable more than carpet, but they won't smell as bad, I think. But, you know, you all of a sudden the smell doesn't bother you because you're just so intense for the Lord. The smell, the position that's uncomfortable, the fact that, you know, when you as an older person now that had probably, you know, done a little bit too much that week are going to have to maybe get help to get up. But you're going to pray it through. In all seriousness, church, I'm telling you, folks, I don't know everybody's background experience with the Lord, but I can't even describe to you the power and what it does in your life to get in that kind of position with the Lord and pray fervently, to pray, pray, until you get an answer. Nathan, I... um. Can you help me because my absent-mindedness, um, in the back, I think there's some like 11 by 17 paper. It's not important, but just whatever paper you can get a hold of. I need a sheet of paper for everyone here and a pen. And I'm sorry to send you out during the message, but he does the recording, so he has to listen to it anyway later. Um, but have you ever done that? You, have you ever so needed something from God that you prayed? And I'm not talking about, God, I need a new house, I need that. But I'm talking about, you know, your kids, you, you're, you're worried for your kids. I mean, that's one of the most intense things, right? Or your spouse or, or, or someone close, that intimate relationship. And, and you were so desperate, you prayed in your praying. Not a light prayer. Not, not a God, I just hope you do this and you leave it, but you really prayed. And Elijah Pray prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't for three and a half years. And, and so three years, six months, did not rain. And the whole point of this is that when you and I pray, and we really fervently pray, God answers prayer and powerful things happen. I've been talking about Jen keeping a prayer journal. I need to do it too. She's it's kinda of one of those things, it's like guys when we have one Bible between us because our wife's gonna read to us or she's gonna turn the pages. And we we shouldn't do that really. We should we should um, walk that journey ourselves and, and it's okay to be a team, but there's sometimes when it comes to God's word we, we don't wanna live vicariously through the discipline of our wives in the word. You you, you shouldn't. Make sure that that allowing her to be the one to carry the Bible and turn the pages all doesn't allow you to kind of lull yourself into a sleep where she's the one getting up and doing the devotions. She's the one getting before the Lord and all that. And you just feel good because your wife's doing that and you lead her to believe that you're doing it sometime. So after uh, 1 Kings 18, 1, After many days the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. God is a merciful God. Ahab was the worst, and it was his fault. There was this rain stopping, and God's telling him, go to the the worst. He's going to learn from this. And so he prayed, and he prayed, and the rain, that the rain would stop, and now he's going to have to pray, pray that the rain is back. And what I want you to notice here is that he doesn't say, well, you know, if it's God's will, then it's going to happen. If it's God's will, then this is going to happen. That's such a cop-out so many times. If it's God's will, it's going to happen. Like, I'm removing myself. I'm saying God's will's over here, and it's me here, and so God's will's just happening over here, and it doesn't have anything to do with me. God's will has everything to do with you. And when God's will happens, we see from the story. It was God's will that it wasn't going to rain, and for three and a half years it didn't, and it's God's will that it's going to rain again, but each time God required Elijah to pray. In other words, it impacted the carrying out, the fulfillment of God's will of whether God's man prayed. How many times do we forfeit the power of God, the will of God, and the work of God in our life because we won't lay hold of God? I'm I'm, going to pray until I receive your will. I'm going to pray. This is Elijah. He's praying, and it was God's will, but he had to pray. He had to pray before God would release his will. We also can't say, you know, I want something, so I'm going to just pray, pray, whether it's God's will or not. That's why some of your prayers are not answered because it's not within God's will. It's not that they're not answered. It was a no, and you just are too determined to, to, to hear it, or not to hear that. Some things we, we want, and God is either going to say not yet, or he may say never. But it also comes into the point, 1 John 5:14 or 15 if someone will look that up and read it out loud. We're getting close to closing, but just 1 John 5, chapter 5. The 1 John, chapter 5, 14 and 15. Yes, let me give that to you. Faith faith, uh, hears the inaudible, sees the invisible, and does the impossible. Somebody have that scripture now. If you if you read it, read it with Belt it out. Not everybody wants. Let's be kind and take turns. Huh? Uh first John chapter five verses fourteen through fifteen. Yes, so in other words, when you pray, you have to know that if you're if you're reading God's word, you're getting in tune with his character and nature, you're going to start praying within his will because you know his word and you're starting to understand who God is and what he wants to see happen. And it's all about the kingdom, not just us. He'll take care of your needs if you're worried about what his kingdom needs are and you focus on that. And that means when you pray according to his will, it's going to happen. And and Jenna and I have begun to experience that, not because we're special, it's because we're praying about things to do with the church. More than our own stuff. We're praying for people in the church who we know there's brokenness or there's things that they need victory over. And when we're praying, God's just miraculously taking care of things in our lives. So we need to know the will of God. And we pray in accordance with his will. And that's the point of this passage and the backstory. And James tells us that because in James 5 16, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. You want your life to feel wonderful? Scripture is telling you the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Let's personalize this. The earnest prayer of Belinda has great power and produces wonderful results. The earnest power of Melissa has great power and produces wonderful results. The earnest prayer of Donna has great power and produces wonderful results of Don, of Vincent, of Pat, of Bill. Each and every one of you has the power and produces wonderful results. If we can keep from our conscience or the devil really is bringing condemnation and feeling like we're not worthy, I, that's what I'm saying in those worship times, if you let the power of God fire you up. You know, I know Moses. I mean, I, can't, I, I know Moses was worried about how he could speak. But I'm not Moses. I'm not that guy who, who, who just people want to follow because he's just that guy. I'm Joshua that just comes with some, some a little bit of hard-headedness and more of the military-minded, and I'm here to march you from where Moses left off to the Promised Land and beyond. I don't, I'm not saying God's telling... I mean, I'm here as long as God wants me. I have no clue, but it might be till I die. But I'm just telling you that That the earnest prayer of the righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Jen started keeping prayer journals. And Nathan, if you haven't already, if someone can hand out those pieces of paper and pens, because we're going to start prayer journals. I'm going to give you a piece of paper. I don't intend to be your prayer journal, but it's to get you to write something down tonight. And hopefully you'll either go get something that you like, doesn't have to be fancy, a notebook or something, and label it prayer journal. And I, I want us to begin to pray specifically and write down what you prayed. And I want you to keep coming back to that. So when you go to pray, I want you to open the prayer journal. I want you to start at the first one and start reading through your prayers. And I want you to start thinking through your life of what's happening. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Come on, you guys should have shouted then. Do you believe that? The earnest prayer of the righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So as you pray, you have great power. So try it out and see what happens. All right. So as he's doing that, I don't want to get complicated here. If you're taking notes separately than that, I'm going to give you four prayer principles very quickly as we close. Four prayer principles. And Ken, the thing you asked about earlier, there's going to be parts of that. Don't confuse it. I kind of there's a little snippet there, and some of the things match, but these these are really separate in a way. Some of the same wording, but we're going to spell it out. Four prayer principles. Number one, prayer hears the inaudible. So it is part of the same, but we're going to dig in a little bit now. Prayer hears the inaudible. In 1 Kings 18.41, the Lord sends rain, and Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. See, when you, when you pray fervently, you're going to hear things when you pray But then you got to listen. I've been watching and talking to some where I realize sometimes we're spinning over our problems so much and we may be praying, but we're never being quiet and still before the Lord long enough to hear. We're never never listening for the answer to come. And Elijah hears the answer coming before anybody else does. A.W. Towser says, God speaks only to those who take time to listen. It is the man who cares, who communicates with the Most High and learns the secrets of the Lord. I want to say that to you again. God speaks only to those who take time to listen. It is the man who cares, who communes, I'm sorry, I said communicate before, who communes with the Most High and learns the secrets of the Lord. It's basically saying if, if you'll stop and listen, he'll reveal to you so many secrets. And they really weren't secrets. It's just really that you didn't listen before. But you listening begins to show you things and tell you things that you hadn't heard before. Audibly? No, not always. He speaks through others. He does it in a way. He'll confirm it, and you'll get where you fine-tune it, and you'll know, God's speaking to me, and I can be certain of that. So have you gotten alone to listen? Prayer is a conversation. Listening. Telling, listening. Telling, listening, listening. Listening. Telling? If you treat friends in conversation like you treat God, I want you to think that a little bit here. Right? Vincent, oh, Vincent, 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 Lord Vincent, Vincent. Dear Vincent, Vincent. I really need a job. I need this. I need you to do this. I need you to do that. Vincent, will you do this for me? Will you do that for me? And Vincent says, can we just spend time talking a little bit? Like, w- Vincent, I need you to do this, this, and this. Oh, wait, I got this other list here. Vincent says, I, I really just want to talk with you. You see, sometimes we get frustrated think God's not, not answering, but we're not listening. He's trying to answer, but we're not having a two-way conversation. We're, we're talking at God, not with God. Elijah is able to hear the sound of rain coming and the voice of God because he's praying but he's also listening what god is going to do before he does it he he lets us hear through the spirit before it happens elijah is hearing in the spirit what's going to happen before it happens because he's got someone else with him that he's sending out and they're not seeing the results they're not hearing it elijah knows it's coming number two prayer humbles us and anything in our culture that is needed more like a big Dose of the flu shot is humility. Church and non believers alike, humility is a dying asset. Prayer humbles us. Honestly, sometimes we're too big, we're too strong, too independent, too self sufficient for God to use us. Too busy trying to solve our own problems for Him to help us. Listen to this you can do more after you prayed. But you can't do more until you prayed. You can do more after you prayed, but you can't do more until you prayed. And that was by John Bunyan. James four six through seven. Somebody look through James four, six through seven. Look to James, the book of James four, six through seven. Wow, humility will help you defeat the devil. But I thought you said, Pastor C.J., we need to buck up like a warrior and kick him in the teeth. That's, I mean. That's how you do it. I was, I've was i been having such a fun time teaching my boys. Okay, listen, I neglected them more than I realized till lately, and we started going to the pool, as you guys know. And we've been getting up really early for what I used to be used to, but now at 4.30, 4 in the morning to get there by 5.30. And we do laps, and then we get out and do push-ups, and we do flutter kicks, all this stuff, and I'm still not losing the weight fast enough, so it's hard. but I'm trying to show them up, you know. But, but the boys are starting to do things like that. You know, they're starting to thump their chest because the other day Colton busts out uh, 10 perfect push-ups and turns around five minutes later and does it. He couldn't do one perfect push-up a month ago. You know, and so they're getting confidence. And, you know, they're, then they're praying for people. You know, we were at a youth service, and I thought they were talking and I'd get on to them. And what they're doing is they're conversing with Danny Melissa's kids on who they're going to pray for. And they start going around to the teenagers. This isn't even their service. And they're praying. They come back and pray for my ankle. And I felt bad for going to get on them. But listen, I started telling my boys, I said, think of the power of walking in humility. Not thinking too much of yourself, but you walk in a room. And you're physically able to, to, to protect and take care of everybody in that room. But you're also... Spiritually able to protect, take care of, and minister everybody in the room, and you walk with the power of God, and physically, mentally, spiritually. If anybody Royal rangers, you know what Royal Rangers are, and the symbol is God. It's like a Christian Boy Scout, the Royal Ranger pledge. I'm ready, ready for anything, ready to work, serve, play, and then there's other things like I'm gonna um, come on. Somebody help me with these. It's been a long time. Uh, yes, but then there's another part. I, um, you know, it, it, it's teaching them that you are well-rounded but yet humble, warrior for God. And in the physical realm, God's made you a mighty man of valor, but in the spiritual realm, he has done the same. And so you have the power within you of God working through you, yet you walk in humility because it's nothing to be shown off but to be used for his kingdom. You can do more after you pray, but you can't do more until you prayed. And it's how we humble ourselves, is through prayer. Uh Psalms 35. Can somebody grab this one real quick? This is just a little side note I have in here Psalms 35 verse 10. I hope this is the right one cuz I did it from memory just Psalms 35 verse 10. And all my bones shall say, "Lord, is like you." Say it. Nope. Okay. Uh wrong one. I'm going to skip that. Uh sorry. I I my memory failed me. But There's a scripture in Psalms. I thought it was around 35, maybe different verse. That you humble myself with prayer. Um, You know, you fast and go without food to put yourself in the kind of posture spiritually that God could get your attention. Because all those things that you drowned out God with, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go and eat everything at the buffet and go into this euphoria and let my problems go away for a lot while. You know, enjoy myself. Those things that we get used to doing. But we're drowned out uh, chances to hear God because we're, we're not disciplined ourselves. And so uh, fasting can be I'm giving up something that I really enjoy, I really want, and sustains my life. I'm giving up some meals to connect with God. In 1 Kings 18.42, so Ahab went up to eat and, and to drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel and he bowed himself down on the earth. Just like before, when I got down, he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. Now, Elijah is obviously a little better shape and more flexible than I. Because he's getting down, he bowed himself on the earth and put his face between his knees. And I understand prayer is first and foremost posture of the heart. But we should not identify only as such. Because I want to tell you something. One thing I learned in the military is the more you practice sitting up straight in your chair when you're in a class the more you'll get out of that class the, the more as a man that you carry yourself the your shoulders with confidence the more the more that people will act react to you appropriately and and see you as a strong man there, there's some things that God created about us that we think is just social dynamics you know and, and it's really not it's God principle and literally in prayer the posture we get in sometimes matters because I'm gonna tell you you try to tell me that you could sit in that chair and you can pray and you're gonna have the same fervency as if you're down in an uncomfortable position because when you're in a comfortable position you want to get through to God and you want to get up right I told you about when Pastor Jim used to have the youth group pray for an hour before service and I thought it was torture as a 14 year old and I thought well if I could just keep from snoring I can sleep and he'll think I'm praying right and it was wrong but but I had a short attention span at that age he bowed himself on the earth and put his face between his knees. Prayer humbles us. You have to get a hold of God. There's things in your life that you can't just keep coming and sitting through a service and thinking that somehow, miraculously, because you're, you think you're getting closer to God because you're coming and, and getting charged up by a sermon if you do, if I'm doing that, doing, doing well by the Lord in that, or a worship service, and you think that that's going to be the meat and potatoes of your walk with Lord. It's not ever going to happen. You will never grow spiritually. You will never mature spiritually unless you find your own time and in discipline in your life, push yourself to get alone with God and hammer these things out that are troubling you with the Lord and spend time in His Word and get to know who He is. It's just not going to happen. The crusades where many people get saved and you see them come to the altars, and you're like, man, that's an awesome ministry. And some of them have great follow-up, but in the end, somebody has to disciple that person or it won't last. God designed it that way. Same thing at New Song. We could have people come to the altar every week to get saved, have baptisms every week. One thing I've learned when I fill out this report to the Assemblies God every year, and we had times where we had 21, 25 salvations, all these baptisms, and then they get down to the question, and how many still attend the church? Ooh, that was hard. And I'm telling you, until we get in the position, when we get ourselves in a disciplined uh, position with the Lord where we're hum, being humbled before the Lord, and, and we don't have these barriers of saying, God, I'll serve you, but I'm not going to do this. God, I'll serve you. I'm not going to raise your, my hands even though I felt the Holy Spirit prompting me to. God, I'm not going to come down to the altar even though I felt the Holy Spirit coming to you. When we put those walls up, we put them, you think God's going to talk and you're going to hear him? You're putting up a wall. Number three, prayer sees the invisible. First Kings 18, 43. Prayer sees the invisible is number three. Sees the invisible. 1 Kings 18, and he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There's nothing. Great servant, right? Go up and look toward the sea. Yeah, there's nothing. The more you give yourself to prayer, the more you will see circumstances different. We often quit too soon. We pray once, and if God doesn't immediately answer, or we pray, thinking we're just going to dump it off on God, and then we're going to let it be His problem, and then when He doesn't answer, we're just frustrated. Say, "Well, God didn't answer." Well, maybe it's because He expected you to come back to Him again. Maybe it's a conversation. How many of you parents have ever, your kids asked for something, and you said, well, we'll talk about it? And they go on, and then they forget it. You say, well, it wasn't, that's why you do that, right? We'll talk about it? Because if it's in, not important, they'll just keep going on, right? We'll talk about it. And all of a sudden, one day, they're like, oh, that thing. Mom and Dad, remember when I asked for this thing? Like, yeah, and you never say anything about it. Can I have that? And you're like, we'll talk about it. What are you doing? You're playing a game. You know, God's not playing games with you. He just knows as a good Heavenly Father, a good parent, that sometimes we get scatterbrained, sometimes we get all over the place, and we just start asking for things, and we really don't need them. And he's not going to spoil us, you know. He's going to take care of us. He's going to bless us, but only when we're ready for it. If we're faithful with the small things, he'll give us a charge over greater things. And so he's just going to, all right. And go. You know, and there's times we may come to him and say, God, I really need this. And he and he's saying, I know, but I want to see you work through some of this. I want to see you uh, travail. I want to see you come to me and persevere. I want to see your faith grow. I want to see your, your discipline grow. And so he's not going to answer immediately. And he's expecting you to come back, and then sometimes you don't. Like, God's not, God's not going to give that to me. Well, you quit too soon. We give up too soon. Did you pray, pray? Did you fast, fast? Keep praying and fasting. Sometimes, you know, the, the will of God, you, you have to, with the will of God, you have to pray, 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 pray. And in this account, it was seven times. Elijah prayed seven times. Elijah is a guy who could pray once, pray, pray once, and it stopped raining for three and a half years. Elijah is a guy who could pray, pray another time and the rain, you know, the rain uh, didn't just turn back on. This is a guy who could pray once and God sends fire down to show everybody up. It's like, woo, I'm, I'm the hero, right? He does that. But this time, he has to pray seven times. Same guy. Same relationship with God. He didn't have a fallout. God's not mad. God's not giving Elijah a hard time. This is how God teaches his children. He prayed, 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 prayed. What is Elijah looking for? He's looking for a sign the prayer has been answered. Your prayer journal. You need to begin to look for the signs that your prayers have been answered. You need to quit going to God and then not looking for the answer you need to be looking every time for the answer to come Elijah wasn't satisfied with the first little cloud that's not what he's praying for is a little cloud a little drizzle he is praying for a downpour he is praying for relief of the drought and he prayed old timers call it praying through sorry if that's what you called it I didn't mean to call you old timer you broke the yoke you broke the chain you gotta keep praying and, pray, and Elijah prayed seven times. Number four, and we are wrapping up. I went over this time, but prayer sees the invisible. He goes seven times. He finally sees. Nobody else saw it. The servant didn't see it. Elijah knew it's coming. He believed it's coming through the Spirit. And prayer sees the invisible. Did I duplicate? Prayer hears the audible. Prayer humbles us. Prayer sees the invisible. You're right. What happened with my notes here? I apologize. All right. We're not going to belabor this because we're over. Next week you'll get the finish of this. So <laughs> keep your notes. I'm sorry. How embarrassing. But it's okay because the Lord is still going to speak to you. They said go again seven times. And saw it. If I could get someone to turn to in closing, Isaiah 40: 31, the third closing, Isaiah 40: 31. And read it as loud as you can, and as bold as you can. Isaiah 40:31. that's right they that wait upon the Lord not those that go to the Lord once and then give up not those who go to the Lord and then say well maybe I'm not as interested but we take those things that are really troubling us to the Lord and we anticipate and expect and watch for the answer to come those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength they will mount up with wings like eagles they will walk and not faint right this this is what the word of the Lord is telling you for your life this is practical And it applies to your day-to-day, job, family, whatever the situation is. He's saying, you need to wait on me. I I mean, talk to me like you talk to those you, you love. That person that you really love in your life that you talk to, talk to me that way. I mean, more so because I created you, I loved you, and you get away with so much, and I still give you grace, and I love you anyway. And you're like, God, but this and this and this, I know, I love you anyway. Talk to me. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. God, for the power of your word to change hearts and lives. And Lord, you're so awesome. Jesus, I started out today not even knowing what you wanted me to speak on tonight. And you gave me a peace that it was going to be okay. And Lord, we had things to do out there. You know that had much to do with the building project. And God, you brought this. And so that tells me that everyone that came tonight, and maybe some that let the enemy convince them not to, but those are here. God, you were very much strategically preparing the way because Lord, if I had had more time to prepare, I might've might taken a different route. God, you got me into a weak spot, but I had to wait on you. That I had to trust you that you were gonna to speak to my heart, that you're gonna bring, Lord, the word that I'm to share. And, and Lord, because of that, I felt it flowing out of me to those who would listen. And so now, if you're here and you've heard the Word of God and you know what the Spirit is telling you to respond to, then I tell you, respond. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart to do right now, to respond. Some of you need to, for once and for all, for the first time maybe in a long time you need to get up and you need to find a place that causes you to get out of your comfort zone and move to something uncomfortable but you need to go and you need to move because otherwise it's going to be the same thing week after week month after month and you're going to keep hitting the same walls you're going to get stuck in the road rut you're going to keep traveling and digging the rut deeper and god's saying i want to set you free there's a life with me where you commune with me you hear me we talk you 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 see mighty things done through you that your life takes on a whole new purpose the purpose I planned for you that, that your vision for life has changed the way you see things because we begin to talk finally and really talk like father and child you have a daddy who loves you a heavenly daddy who loves you who will listen to you and talk with you and minister to the, the things that pain your heart that burden your spirit Jesus I thank you Lord for tonight God that those that are responding now to what the Lord is speaking to them, what the Holy Spirit is speaking to their heart, that right now God in Jesus name, Jesus name by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives would be changed, that right now the bondage would be broken Lord that they wouldn't any longer be satisfied with sitting there letting the world pass them by, wondering where is this headed, questioning where do I stand with God, Lord that they can know tonight, Lord that you love them, that that you want to be in fellowship and communion with them you want more and more and more, because you love us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, thank you, Lord God, that we wouldn't let time and we wouldn't let schedules and we wouldn't let Lord the temporary and and those things that Lord that crowd our minds and distract us. We wouldn't let us keep that let that keep us from you, Lord, and from deepening our relationship with you. God, that there's people who are depending on us. God, those people at work that we want witness to and we think, surely if they just see me walk, if they just hear me say a little thing here and there, God, you want to light them up and give them the power of the Holy Spirit and fill them and baptize them in the Holy Spirit so that they may go with power like the book of Acts. They walk in and the ground shakes beneath their feet in the spiritual realm. That the demons tremble. That when they walk in, that boss, that co-worker, that spouse, whoever it is, that the strongholds are broken because of the power of God, like Elijah, an ordinary man with extraordinary faith because he just made himself available for God to use him. Praise you, Jesus. Praise your name. In Jesus' name. Pray I pray in the name of Jesus. I bind the strongholds of the enemy that they be cast out of this place in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise your name. humbles us with prayer we see the invisible with prayer we can do the impossible and that's what elijah experienced the power of god just an ordinary man with extraordinary faith in prayer he prayed prayed he heard the inaudible he he was humbled and he saw the invisible and did the impossible my challenge to you is don't let this word stop tonight in your life but meditate on it go back to the first kings go through 16 17 18 read the account absorb it and let god just do a mighty work in your life amen love you god bless you see us saturday to play with some concrete have a great day